This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's 35 a.m. and thanks for sticking with us here on The Morning Run. I'm Julian Ng and joined by Kusu Chuang as well as Sharitz Abdullah. Looking at some international news, the A380 will be no more because Airbus will retire this jet after slightly over a decade of production. It was touted as a hotel in the sky when it was first launched. It could go on for 15,000 kilometers and carry over 800 passengers. While uh, Airbus was taking a multi-billion dollar bet that airlines would want big aircrafts in the future, uh, driven no doubt by the tourism boom, Boeing was developing its smaller 787 Dreamliner. Orders were placed by the Singapore Airlines, SQ, Emirates and also Malaysian Airlines, but it still failed because airlines could fill seats and they were paying too much for fuels, you know, for the feedback. Couldn't fill seats. Yeah, so, um, I mean, they bet big, right? Both Boeing and uh, Airbus. Uh, Airbus uh, bets basically on the uh, hub-and-spoke strategy, um, basically, which means they use a central airport to launch into destinations requiring longer distances, uh, don't have to stop so many times, and uh, the Airbus bet, the, basically, the, they bet the company on this thing, right? Back in the year 2000, and it was a huge bet, but obviously, um, because it took so long to develop the aircraft, and airlines um, take a long time to sell 800 seats, you know, 800, 800 seats is a lot of bums to put on seats. That's right. Uh, not not to mention the plane would be, I mean, uh, the, the the cost price would be very expensive even very though expensive. from a per passenger, if you manage to fill it up, it would be slightly cheaper. And then the oil, the fuel that you would have to spend on uh, carrying the passengers, whether the plane is filled up or not. Yeah. So what Boeing did is basically they predicted the rise of point-to-point travel. The 787, the Dreamliner, performed better with an approach away from the hub-and-spoke model. Uh, They focused on a lighter aircraft, higher fuel efficiency, smaller craft, but a longer time ability. Uh, But, you know, it all came to head. And it sounds as if both didn't really make it because I think the Dreamliner is also being discontinued. Um, I think the Emirates, um, basically Airbus stopped production of the A380 because Emirates cut um, their 39 craft order. So now they don't have a backlog to buy it, to, to produce into. And therefore, uh, that's the end of the A380. Yeah, the Concorde also failed for similar reasons. Uh, it stopped production in 2003. So fastest commercial airline, but was not fuel, inef- it was fuel uh, inefficient and high cost on operation made it highly unfavorable. So airlines are inclined, well, these days with the price. That was one be. souped up jet, wasn't it? Yeah, um, it was. I remember pretty. like a, one tried to land in Malaysia like very, very long time ago and it was Subang at the time and sort of like uh, shook the, the really? windows or something. Because yeah. of the, um, yeah. My, my, my art sound, the speed of the, sound. The, yeah, the travel at the right. speed of sound. Like you, my, could, you could hear it before you saw it. Exactly. Right. My aunt used to work for British Airways. She was a stewardess. And she ran into the path of a Concorde once to take a picture. <laughs> she said she almost lost her life. <laughs> I can't blame <laughs> What do you think is going to happen, right? <laughs> okay, having said that, uh, uh, Airbus, uh, that cancellation, the share price still went up uh, because they still have a lot of orders. About 7,500 planes are in order. Yeah, I think they, uh, as a result of this, um, basically cancelling the A380, they, uh, well, they have to get rid of about 3,500 jobs. And typically, that's good for shareholders because it means those uh, costs are taken off the bottom line. Yeah, I, I think this will play very well into uh, still this uh, tourism trend that we're seeing. I mean, the Chinese, they spend so little during Chinese New Year in China because uh, they went elsewhere, right? Yeah. Uh, so the Chinese are all over the place right now, including in Malaysia. Now, here's another failure from another iconic American. American company, uh, GE, right? Uh, you know that name, right? It's a very big name. Uh, its subsidiary, GE Power, has $92 billion in back orders. Normally, this is good news, 
but this will actually be a headache for its new CEO, Larry Culp. Yeah, all these orders for making and servicing turbines were obtained on a very low pricing just to get market share. GE lost $200 billion in market value in 2017 and 2018 as it struggled to cut costs and misjudge market shift. The backlog of order in the power division wasn't always built on attractive terms as they turned uh, to chasing market share. Yeah, lopsided deals and uh, poorly uh, judged deals. It's not just purely the domain of uh, certain Southeast Asian countries, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure what you're referring to. I'm not sure either. Um, $92 billion, but that's only for the power business because at the end of the day, I think General Electric is grappling with nearly $400 billion of of order backlogs, which they can't fill because A, these deals are so badly priced to start with, and B, operationally, I don't think they're up to scratch. So uh, doubling, the orders are doubling in seven years, right? Uh, Any company would uh, give that kind of prospect, but not if you had uh, mismanaged it. Also, uh, like like Airbus, uh, they they made a wrong bet uh, because they kept selling these uh, projects on a very low pricing when the move to alternative energy was happening. But uh, G is all based on fossil fuel, right? The old world where, uh, you know, we're kind of destroying the world right now. Yeah. And then they buy something called Alstom, right? Which also which is another deal that went sour. Last year, I think they did a, a write back of $22 billion to just to write down the value of the business. Not great. Yeah. Uh, so um, actually, there there is a difference between GE and Airbus because Airbus uh, sort of made a big bet. I mean, they, they were saying, hey, we're going into this thing. But uh, in GE's case, this was more uh, a case of bad management. Now, talking about bad management, uh, there's this company called uh, China Mingshan Investment Group. So we've moved to another country here, and uh, 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 quite a big country. Actually. From France to America, now to China. <laughs> yes, we love ex- to travel. We, we, we love that. Uh, this this investment group or this financial entity was supposed to be the China's answer to J.P. Morgan. But guess what? It has raked up about $34 billion in debt. And over the last few days, it managed to scrape up some money to pay an overdue note. Yeah, and all this in less than five years. Uh, in, in, you know, Instead, it's turned into a symbol of turmoil sweeping China once a vaunted you know, private sector. See, I mean, they shocked the investor when it missed a bond payment on January. 29th and the market remained jittery about the company even after it scraped together enough cash to repay the overdue note yesterday. Yeah, so this company, right, JP Morgan, so I presume they're following the universal banking model, not just the investment side, so everything, right? Uh, a lender of everything, basically, right? So this company is only, well, this bank essentially is only like, what, five years old? Uh, the brainchild of this individual called Dong Wenbiao, Wong Dong Wenbiao, great, great name, by the way, love it. Yep. <laughs> uh, former chairman of China's largest non-state bank known as the godfather of the nation's private sector. So I think he set up this entity to fund development. But obviously, the people and the companies that he funded also over-leveraged and um, just became, I think, a, a, a an avalanche of uh, cascading debt. That's right. Uh, some kind of liquidity crunch is unfortunately also uh, going through China, adding to the woes of uh, this company. Uh, but I, I think China, to be fair, has moved a long way from just copying business models of other countries. Uh, you know, they, they're coming up with uh, their own technologies. And you can see companies like Huawei, you know, uh, causing the jitters over there in the United States, right? Uh, because of the kind of technology Huawei has. I mean, companies like Xiaomi as well. Um, and in terms of patent patents being filed, right, China is the most, right? They dominate uh, all these uh, patents. Yeah, and they, you know, they've just avoided becoming one of China's biggest ever defaulters um, after scraping just enough cash to pay off the, uh, you know, an overdue note. Uh, just 
for your information, they were founded in 2014, uh, Brain, like you said, Dong Wing Biao. Right. That's right. Yeah. Also, um, Trung, you know, just just uh, to share a bit of my reading list recently, I'm reading this book called The Myth of Development, who's reading, uh, who's written, uh, authored by uh, Peruvian. I forget the name of Great. the Peruvian. Uh, you know, he was involved in the uh, negotiation of the uh, World Trade Organization, the Uruguay round of talks. And he says that... Um, Countries, developing nations would have no hope uh, compared to all these other countries, the mighty economies of uh, the developed economies as well as China, uh, because they have the ability, uh, the government over there, the governments over there, whether it's America or China, have the ability to support uh, their private enterprises, right? Uh, and, and come up with uh, behemoths, uh, giants that control the world. The world is no longer controlled by politicians by kings and queens and uh, by colonialists, right, is now uh, uh, controlled by multinational organizations. So this is what I think this is what China is trying to create. They put money behind ideas, right, and and so that they can actually uh, give U.S. a a good run for their money. Well, it's economic colonialization, isn't it? Um, Until very recently, the last 20 or 30 years, the mighty greenback was the the kingdom and the the king and emperor rolled into one. Now in the last 10, 20 years, it's the U.S. Isn't it? Of course, China wants to supplant America as the economic colonialists. Okay, we'll be coming back with some local news. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.